Oh, thank you very, very much. Well, good morning, everybody. And it's uh, really good to see you here today. We're, we're really coming to the conclusion, conclusion you know, the concluding part of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. So this is the penultimate one, one more to come after this. And, um, and, and that's, that this is where we are in Philippians chapter 4. So if you could turn to that, that would be very helpful. If you don't have a Bible with you or no way of getting to Philippians chapter 4, words will come up on screen behind me, he said, in trust and faith and hope and all the rest of it. Okay, here we go. Um, Philippians 4, we're going to just get straight in. Verse 4 to 9, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Um, Paul does, this is a letter. And as, as he does in letters, as he comes towards the end of his letter, he, he ends with, uh, mostly on, on a number of occasions, he ends with a number of exhortations and encouragements. And hence you get this re- rejoice in the Lord and let your gentleness be known to all. And, and actually that doesn't, trans, that doesn't translate very well in the, in the English language. I think it's something about your magnanimity, your, your graciousness. Let that be evident to all. It's probably a better way of putting it. Don't be anxious and pray with thanksgiving. Now, for those of you who can, and can worry for Britain, I want you to know that there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. But hang on in here and let's see what God has to say in his word. Now, I want to bring some context as we come to this. And if you remember in the early part of the letter, Paul instructs this persecuted church to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. He says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And if you remember, we picked up on that thing, gospel, because it sort of runs through. It runs through like a thread right the way through this letter. The gospel. What is the gospel? It's good news. Good news about what? About Jesus transforming people's lives. That is the gospel. And he constantly references to the gospel. He's grateful for their partnership in the gospel. Even in his imprisonment, he says, has served to advance the gospel. And it has given people, most people, confidence to proclaim the gospel. So, he's, you know, you've got to say it's the gospel. And it runs all the way through this letter. And he said, it's about conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And then you get to chapter 2. And you get, it's really the centerpiece. You want, if you really want an epitome of the, how to 
how to conduct yourselves worthy of the gospel, then here it is in Jesus. Your attitude, and and he just opens it up, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself and became obedient, even to death on a cross. That's not a shameful way to die. It's a criminal's death. You know, you conduct yourself, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. And therefore God has exalted him to the highest place. And and given him the name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And it goes on to say, and every, t- every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? He does say that. And the, that very declaration, Jesus Christ is Lord, you know, it flies in the face of their culture of the day. If you were in Philippi, Philippi was like a replica of Rome. I don't, I don't, mean, I don't mean in terms of it's all its buildings and whatever. But the way it was run, if you wanted to know what Rome was like, the big Rome, capital of the Roman Empire, have a look at Philippi. It's got the government, it's got the lords, it's got all the privileges for the people. It's a Roman colony. I mean, it's a special status. It has festivals, it's games, and, and public assemblies. They would have had no problem talking about their allegiance to Caesar. Caesar is Lord. That was their phrase. Caesar is Lord. Caesar, and if you listen to John's um, sermon on the chapter two, he'll give you all the, it'll give you all the background. Really, really helpful for you to get a grasp of that. Caesar is Lord, and, and because you know that he was classified as the Son of God. And here you've got these Christians going, Jesus is Lord. As you know, that's immediate conflict. Immediate. These Christians are under fire. They are under pressure. Their livelihoods are at stake. Their families are at stake. Their very lives are at stake. And Paul writes, don't be anxious about anything. Ah, get the context here, okay? Don't be anxious about anything. There's so much in these five verses. You can never, I just can't do it justice on a a one-off here. But I want to respond to this word anxious. Many people have a, you know, this is a, sits on the door of many people's lives, anxiety. I, didn't, I don't need a prophetic word to say, you know, there's a number of people who are anxious this morning. You can't, I don't need to do that. You know, you don't need that. They say at any given one time, 16% of the population has, is under pressure with anxiety. At any one time. Now, the, the opposite to joy is sadness. It's grief. It's even despair. The opposite to peace is anxiety. So Paul underlines this here. So have a look in your Bibles. Look, verse 7, and, uh, and he makes it really clear. He says, look, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Then verse 9, he goes, and the God of peace will be with you. So I I want to look at two points today, and that is, well, what is this peace of God? And then, 
how can I receive it? Which could be a long list, but we're going to cover a couple of points here. What is this peace of God? Well, first of all, as he often does, we start with a negative. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. You know, now, this word, let's understand this word. It's not the word that would be associated with care and concern. If you love anyone or have affection for anything, you know, care and concern is normal. Can we just put that to bed now? That is normal. But anxiety, and some of you will know this, anxiety is turmoil. Anxiety is where you're, you're torn up inside. You're ripped apart internally. This is anxiety. Don't be anxious, he says, about anything. Well, as somebody once said, that is easier said than done. One doctor analyzed the fears of his patients. 40% worried over things that never happened. I wonder if you have done the same. 30% worried about past events now totally out of their control. There's a thought. 12% unduly worried over health matters. A friend of mine, um, uh, he just thought he was having a heart attack. And he rang, his do- he rang the doctor. He got an immediate appointment, went to see his doctor. And he sat in this room and he was, you know, just un- unbelievably uh, upset and obviously in considerable concern, incredibly anxious. And his doctor just talked to him for a little while. And then he, his doctor smiled. He said, uh, he said, oh, I see you've been to see Mr. Dr. Google. Dr. Google. And he said, yes, he had. No, there's nothing like a heart attack. Some people have an imagination that just blows up. And... Um, and that's 10% of people are concerned for over family matters, which, in which cases, become groundless. And that leaves 80% of, eight, sorry, 8% of cases where conditions are true and under treatment. And so you're going to say to me, that's me. I'm that 8%. I get, I, I get that look. So look. Anxiety, I'm not undermining, or I, want, I don't want to diminish this. It's, it's real. It's the whole breadth of life. You know, it, it covers everything. You know, our finances. Am I going to have enough to pay for the rent this month? Am I going to be able to do it? Even the mortgage, am I going to be able to do it? I've got another bill from the school. I thought education was free. But I got this bill from the school. How can I pay for that? Or have we, you know, we, our job security, you know, I'm not even sure I'm going to have a job next month. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know if I'll get, I don't know. I, I see the way the firm's going. I, I don't know. Or uh, there's uh, our children. We're concerned for our children. And, and sometimes we can get anxious about that over decisions that they haven't yet made. But we know the older they get, the more decisions they will make. <laughs> And you won't be able to do it for them. And we get unduly anxious over these matters. The onset of old age. Stop looking at me like that. Okay. The, you, my friends, the list is endless. It's absolutely endless. 
Furthermore, the, the news thrives on bad news. There was a newspaper which was going to be, was published, and good news only. It went bankrupt in weeks because the news thrives on bad news. And it doesn't help. Look, peace, the peace he's talking about is uh, an inner calm. Uh, 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 a certain equilibrium, a sort of balance here in you. And, and if you notice in verse 12, I know it's got verse 11 up there, but it's my mistake, verse 12. He says, Paul says this, he has learned this. This is an important word to know. He has learned this. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I've learned this. Paul is not saying, you know what? I'm wired this way. I'm just wired this way. I take these things in my stride. You know, it's just personal. I'm a per- part of my personality. I just do this every day. It's okay. No, 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 no. He's not saying that. He is not wired that way. It's not natural. It's not something you're born with. This peace of God is supernatural. You have to understand, it's the, it's the fruit of the Spirit. You can only get this from God. Now, here you've been, I've had some prophetic words about putting your roots down deeper and, and, and God's vitality and power of his spirit in your life. This is, the, this is the power of the spirit brings this to bear. And it's a fruit, so it's grown. So he says, I've learned this. So you will be somewhere on the learning curve. Don't let your head drop. You've learned, he's, I've learned this. The peace of, the peace of God is... You know, often we become anxious about things that are outside of our control. You know, Paul is not under illusion. He's not under the illusion that he is in control. He's not under that illusion. He's not. If he was in control, he wouldn't be in that prison, chained. He wouldn't do that. He says, I've learned this. So verse 7 says, it's the peace of God that guards his heart and mind. When people give advice about dealing with anxiety, uh, so let me just run with this a little bit, okay? So pe- people love giving advice. Do you know, if I was you, uh, if I was you, you know, if I was you, well, you're not. But that's, if I was you, I would. And uh, I've been in a similar situation to you. Do you know, and do you know what I did? And, and they give advice. See, you know, some of it, my friends, is, is entirely unhelpful. One of the most unhelpful things is, is people say, if I were you, I'd, I'd, remove, I'd remove those thoughts from your thinking. Now, stay with me here. Stay with me here. I, you know, you've got to remove those certain thoughts. Don't even think about that. The peace of God is not... Absence, it's presence. It's not about the absence of certain thoughts. It's about the presence of God that matters. That's the point. The problem of expelling negative thoughts that you, you, know, you can, if you're not careful, refuse to face up to how bad things are. And, and some people accuse that being in denial, not being realistic. Paul does none of that. 
you know, sometimes you will hear me from the front leading meetings, and I will say to people, bring it all in. Whatever's gone on in your week, whatever's going on in your life, just bring it all in. Don't leave it outside the door. Don't do that. Don't do that. Bring it all in. And, and come in amongst God's people and, and, and let God go to work in your life. Do you know? And it'll build faith in you. It'll, and it'll bring perspective. And just bring it all in. Bring it into the presence of God. Bring it to a reality. I noticed that Paul talks of chains. He doesn't say, you know what? I'm not in chains. I, mean, I know I'm in this prison, but I'm not in chains. I'm not in chains. I refuse to believe I'm in chains. I just won't have it. I'm not. He doesn't do that. He says, he, he says, you know, whether I'm in chains or defending the gospel, it has become, or, and he goes, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard that I am in chains. And because of my chains, it's not the absence of certain thoughts. No, it's the presence of God that matters. He brings God into the reality of his situation. So a couple of weeks ago, I listened to Mark's story of um, how he heard the news um, a couple of years ago of receiving, of getting cancer. And uh, he said, I, I, listen to it, he said, I was standing outside the hospital building. He's just received the news. And he said, I had this peace of God. I had this peace of God. My friends, that is not the absence of certain thoughts. That's the presence of God. That is the presence of God. It's very important, this. Bring it all in to his presence. Bring it under his government. Bring it to him. And the peace of God will transcends it under. And, and, and it says, it guards our hearts and minds. That's a military term. To guard, is, it's a military term. That's what he's saying. And, and, and in Philippi, they would have really understood this because they had a garrison there. And it means to surround a place with soldiers. So to surround it with soldiers. In other words, nothing's coming in. This is, we are not going to be invaded. The people in Philippi, they can sleep at night. It guards your heart and mind in Christ. This is peace of God does this. It's very, it's, it, it's God very present in the reality of your situation. I have seen this. Uh, I mean, I think it's a privilege in one sense, but, but a strange privilege, if you probably understand my gist, because I've sat, I've sat in, at the bedside of where people have, have been dying. And I've sat with the husband or the wife. And I've, it's such tragedy. I've, I've sat with people who've lost their children. And I've not known what to say. I've sat with people who had incredible tragedy in their lives. And death and illness. And in one sense it's a privilege to be at the place where people are most vulnerable. Um, and I, I do find that a privilege. But you don't want to be there if you get what I mean. You don't want them to be there either. And I have seen in some Christians this extraordinary peace of God, knowing that their lives are governed by God right in the middle of the awfulness of this situation, 
just in there. I've no doubt they've had to fight for it as well. Because Paul says, I've learned this, but I've seen it. And it's, 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 it's quite moving. It, it's a, despite the chaos that surround their lives. Now, this is Paul's life. Shipwrecks, beatings, stonings. I mean, you name it, this guy's had it. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Well, how do I receive this peace? Well, of course, we, we pray, at least. Uh, I would suggest that uh, you stop worrying long enough to pray. They uh, stop worrying long enough to pray. And Paul, thankfully, is a little bit more instructive than that. And he, he, says, uh, he, he tells us to think. Think. So verse 8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy, excellent, he says, think about such things. Now, this man isn't living in a vacuum here. I mean, you could look at this list of virtues and they could be affirmed by many people in the ancient world. Go with that list of virtues. But Paul is God-centered. So he knows where he's coming from. And Christ is his life. And he sees a big picture. And he knows he's living his story in the big epic of God's, of God's story. He's not got some little soap opera scene in his life. He's living in the big epic of God's story. And Christ is his life. And the essence of the word think is not just, you know, let's think some lovely thoughts. It's not that. It means to reckon. It's to account for. You know, get a hold of it. Reckon this. It's to take into account what God has done. Take into account your salvation and the wonder of it. The truth of your life. Take it into account. Reckon on these things. You know, encourage and strengthen your faith into what is true, what is right. Come on, do it. You know, it's completely different from going into water stones and looking up the material on coping with stress. All you will get from that is, why do, here's a tip, or here's a technique. It's full of tips and techniques. Avoid caffeine, alcohol, nicotine. Try relaxation techniques. Find a breach. Go and sit on a beach. Sit by the water, lapping at the... Lapping, lapping up on the shore, which is fine unless it's a storm, isn't it? But you know, just sit, find a quiet place. Think of a word, love, calm, serenity. Just think of those things. You won't open a page and be encouraged to think on the big matters of life. What is the meaning of life? Why am I here? What's the point? You won't get that in how to cope with stress. Charles Darwin, stay with me here. So he writes on the theory of evolution, which, which brought an end to his, his belief in, in a personal God and, and, and creation by God. And he says, a man who has no assured and ever-present belief in the existence of a personal God or of a future existence with Retribution and reward can have for his rule of life, as far as I can see, 
only to follow those impulses and instincts which are strongest and we, uh, which seem to, to him the best ones. Now, you think that through. Go on, think it through. Think of the implications of that. You know what? Well, we all run our own rule of life. We, uh, we're accountable to no one. We do what we think is best. Well, I'm not even sure if there is a right and wrong. What's right for you might not be right for me. Who, who decides these things, you know? And in fact, if you go along the same vein, some people say, well, you know what? Well, to be quite honest, we're no more significant than an animal or a rock. So that's, if you follow the implications of that, if you think the big things through, but Paul encourages us to think big and get the bigger story. He says, get your life in perspective. If you follow the, if you follow the, the atheists and, and a Darwin route or the um, theory of evolution, where are you going to go? It's going to end up more stressful, not less. That's why they don't do that. But for the Christian, he says, you know, take into account the big story of God. Don't, don't forget it. Get it in your thinking. Creates a perfect world in which there was no sorrow, no disease, no death. This God created us to enjoy him forever. I know it went wrong, but God sent his son Jesus into the world to rescue us. And when this is all done, there'll be a new heaven, a new earth. And my friends, those who want to be with him will be with him. And he brings value to your life. And he brings significance to your life. This is a, he gives assurance of your future with him. If you're a Christian, think big. Whatever is true, whatever is right, you know, whatever is admirable and praiseworthy, you know, think on these things. It's all here in God's word. And, then what, and the peace of God, look at it, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. How do we receive the peace of God? Well, first of all, we think. Let's get our mind sort of here. And secondly, we thank. We thank. Don't be anxious about anything. You just, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. My friends, listen, your life is in his hands. So please, I ask you, develop the discipline of thanking him. You know, it's, ingratitude is very evident. We know when people are ungrateful. We pick that up very quickly. Develop the discipline of thanking it's very important. I vividly remember my aunt's funeral. It was a, my aunt, she's a real character. She would go into a greengrocer's and try out the food first. And if she didn't like it, she'd leave her half a plum there and just walk on. And she's a real character. I, I was asked to give a tribute at her funeral. In fact, actually, she wanted me to speak at her funeral. But um, we had a problem. She wanted a humanist funeral. And, uh, you know, I couldn't... I couldn't <laughs> She, that was her line. She wanted to be humanist, and, and I'm God-centered. So we had some discussions about this. It was quite difficult, actually. But then she realized that, you know, I couldn't concur with where she was coming from, but I could give a t- tribute at her funeral, which I did. And when I got there, all I'm doing is bringing a tribute, but the person who's leading the funeral takes me aside and says, because um, he knows what I do. So he knows I'm a, I'm a, I, I 
do church stuff. I'm a pastor, you know, I'm a church leader or whatever. So he knows that, and he, he goes, um, you do realize that there is to be no reference to God at this funeral. I said, yeah, yeah, I got that, don't worry. He said, no, no reference. I mean, he was really, I could see he was frightened that I was going to even mention God. It was really uh, interesting. Anyway, I, I did the tribute, and uh, our funeral went, and it's very moving, uh, very moving what struck me was there was no one to whom we could give thanks for her life. It's a huge chasm. Huge. I mean, it's just empty. There's, and there's no one we can be grateful to her life. It was, it was startlingly obvious. I mean, actually, the funeral ran out of control because people came up and said, we'll see you on the other side, and they were making all these references to heaven. I mean, I didn't say a word, but it just amused me anyway. But it was a huge hole. To whom are we grateful? You know, I see a spectacular sunrise or sunset. My first inclination is, God, how wonderful is that? I mean, if you don't know God, what do you do? Oh, big bang. Thank you. (laughs) That's brilliant. Big Bang, how did you think that one up? That is astounding. Oh, Big Bang, thank you. It doesn't work, does it? I, I, be thankful. Just, uh, you know, be thankful in all things. Uh, some things don't work well. And some things do. I've got an 11 and a half hour plane journey to go. This is a, a little while back. And uh, <laughs> I'm in the airport, and we're all gathered at the place, the gate, where there's not enough seats for everybody, you know, as it normally is. And so half the people are standing, half the people are sitting, and we're there for ages. And it's a big plane, all right? It's a Dreamliner, whatever, big plane. And, uh, and it's full. Every seat is taken. So, and then uh, over the Tanai comes, would passenger Neil Bartlett come to reception? That's me. So, so I, 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 I walk to the reception area, and there, standing in this reception, is this huge security guard. And he said, sir, would you just come this way with me? I'm going, why? <laughs> oh, uh, what, can you just tell me what this is about? Well, I'll tell you in a moment, but just come this way. This, this is in front of nearly, I don't know, 300 people or whatever, and they're watching me be escorted down this, uh, down this route. And... Uh, Des comes up, and that's my wife. She goes, why? Why, why, why do you need him? What, what, what is this? And, uh, you know, we're going to... Anyway, he takes me down this uh, line, and, and everybody watches me walk down. The, and I, I, I'm still saying, what, you know, what's this about? What's this about? He says, well, um, have you lost anything? And I'm thinking, so have you been through my suitcase and found something? You know, I said, just, I'm, you know, I wonder what's going on here, and... Anyway, we get to uh, where he wanted to take me, and uh, he says to me, uh, there's a, on this tray is this. He says, Does, do you recognize anything here? I said, oh, that's my wallet. That's my wallet. Now, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, I've not been able to find out the person who did it, brought it back. But I was thinking... Somewhere along that journey, I would have realized my wallet was gone. Do 
Do you think I was thanking God all the way home? I was. I was thanking him. And I wondered what sort of state I would have been in. Because there's nothing I could have done about it, is it? If somebody's got my wallet, I'm in an airplane, and I've got an 11 11 and a half hour journey, and I can't say, stop the plane, I want to go back to my... You know, I can't do that. So, I'm thanking God. I am thanking God. I'm thanking God that the right person picked up my wallet. That's brilliant, wasn't it? Now, it doesn't always work like that, though, does it? And and, And for Christians, it's bigger than that, you see. Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. It's not for all things, in all things. And who've been called according to his purpose. Don't be anxious about anything. God is at work. And sometimes you do not see what's what's going on here. And I know you can be in awful situations because we've all faced them. But surely the greatest example of this is on the day that Jesus died. And all his disciples are going... What is that about? What is this about? Why is he like that? Why is he nailed to a cross? What is that about? We spent three years with this man. Everything he did was good. And all the way he treated people was good. What is that about? And in the midst of it, God is working the most marvelous wonder to restore you and me to himself. And they could never see it. No, be thankful. Be, don't be anxious about anything, but, but be thankful in every situation. God will work his good out in it. Believe me, he will do that. So, my friends, be a thanking Christian and be a thinking Christian. Would the band come up on stage, please? There'll be opportunity uh, afterwards. If anybody would like prayer. And you know, we do need people to stand alongside us in these things. We're not saying this is a, oh, we'll just get on and do it. You know, sometimes we need people alongside us who will help us in it. Just someone. So there will be that later. But we're going to um, bring this song to you. So the story behind this next hymn is of Horatio Spafford. This man, in 1871, in the great fire of Chicago, lost everything. The lot. Two years later, he is making his, uh, his wife and four daughters are making their way across the Atlantic to England. And it collides, the ship collides with another ship, and within 12 minutes, their ship's gone. All four daughters died. And uh, his wife gets back to land. The survivors get to Cardiff. And she writes back to him, saved alone. Saved alone. And obviously he's got news of what's happened and all the rest of it. He makes his way, gets as quick as a ship as possible back to England. And part way and they, some of them say it was they think it was at the part where where the ship went down as he's traveling across it he pens the words to this hymn and it's the hymn it is well with my soul and it goes when peace like a river attendeth my way 
when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul, it is well. And I'm really grateful for Mark and Katie and the band here for learning this hymn. And I'd like us to stand and when you feel ready, join in with the song. But it is a great song.